Peanuts, tonight is the night. Premium Pete Show live in Atlanta at the WeWork in Colony Square. Special guest, sounds by DJ Wally Sparks. Food. Man, it's going to be fucking wavy. Make sure you RSVP. The link is in my Instagram bio. I want you to come out. Tell a friend to tell a friend. If you're from Atlanta, come out. If you know somebody that lives in Atlanta, tell them, yo, the Premium P Show is live. I'll also be, I'll be, listen, I'll be in A3C. Okay, I'll be on a panel, special panel. Make sure you come check me. If you see me out in ATL, say, what's, fuck you, Premium P. Now I'm already playing. Say, what's up, Premium P. Okay, but tonight, October 5th, 7 11 p.m., Colony Square at WeWork is going down. Make sure you're there. Now let's get to this episode. Cheer. Come on, everybody, get set, let's go. It's the next episode. It's the Premium Pete Show. News, interviews, all of the info. Listen up, it's the Premium Pete Show. If you want the scoop in the low, down low. Listen to the show, cause Milk said so. Fuck what you heard, better act like you know. It's the Premium Pete Show. Internet, welcome back to another episode of the Premium Pete Show. Sitting here with the one and only, on some shit, hey. Adam. 22. No jumper. And why 22? Uh, when I was 15, I like pretty much had to start a, a screen name for the first time on the internet. And Was that AOL? Um, actually, it was Live Journal. What? God damn. It was way back. You're an old motherfucker. I really am. I was 15, and somebody told me to sign up for it. I didn't know it was going to be of, of any significance at all. But even then, like back when I was like 15, the kids in school would kind of like pay attention to my fucking Live Journal and stuff because... I would just be saying like really off the cuff things about people like, I was in school with. Like what is some of the stuff? Not meaning who these people are, but what are some of the stuff you were saying? I don't know. I feel like I would just like say that like some kid was ugly or stupid or something. Like I, I didn't really like have any concept of like people reading the shit that I was saying on my live journal and people like just kind of started. I would write like descriptions of my day of like things that would happen. And even I remember even in, in high school, people were kind of fucking with it. Like they were kind of they started to get into it and. That, that sort of gave me like that little tiny taste for the first time about making some content. And I guess back then you couldn't make just Adam. You had to put like a... Even that that early, I tried to get Adam and it was... No. It was taken. Yeah, so I, I thought about doing like Adam 1. I was like, nah. I typed Adam 2. I'm like, nah. And I was like, I'll put another 2. <laughs> that was about it. <laughs> <laughs> but I like that you recognized from an early age, even before you were able to do any type of content, before you were able to like be a tatted up mm. bmx shit that we'll get into youtube shit before you were intriguing on the outside you were already doing something on the inside i always had a lot to say i remember when i was like nine years old that i was super into video games and i would go rent video games from the store and i would fucking sit on my mom's computer and fucking write reviews for all the, the video games that would come out and then i would buy all these video game magazines and i would read their reviews of the reviews or of the games, and then I would take my reviews and I would edit them to reflect the good points that I thought they made in their reviews. So even when I was like nine, ten years old, I was always just writing and just drawing and just trying to make some shit. And then once I got online, I felt like it all kind of just made a lot of sense to me. Like, oh, this is the place. It is amazing. You know, uh, where'd you grow up? Nashua, New Hampshire, which is a, a small city of uh, like 80,000 people. It's about five minutes from the Massachusetts border, about half hour from Boston. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of, you know, I had that suburb life, but, you know, it is a city, you know, I, I had that dimension to it, but then it's also right near Boston, you got a little four-hour drive to New York, so I sort of, it's a weird place to grow up, because it's not as, like, easily to, easy to explain. People, when you say I'm from Brooklyn, it's like, oh, I'm from Brooklyn, it's sure, easy, sure. To, easy to understand, kind of. Mom and dad? 
mom is a uh, librarian or was a librarian at community college. She just uh, she just retired at the tender age of sixty four, I think. And uh, my dad was like he worked in social services for the last like twenty years, but before that he was working in like local government. He was an alderman. He was like uh, very early on on like the Bill Clinton uh, campaign trail really? in New Ham- in New Hampshire is like the first primary state or whatever. So my dad, you know, was I have all these photos of me with Clinton as a kid because my dad would be helping him out. Were on you his... smoking weed with Clinton back then? I didn't, considering I was probably like eight. But uh, you know, certainly I would have been open to it. I wouldn't inhale. Just How was your relationship with your pops? My relationship with my dad, you know, it's kind of weird because like from a very young age I was getting in a lot of trouble. So me and my dad were getting physical, beating the shit out of each other, stuff like that. And then also, like, but then at the end of the day, like, when I really think about it, they really did, like, raise me with very good values and, like, how to think about the world around me, that kind of thing. Uh, so I'm very thankful for the, my upbringing, even though, to a certain extent, me and my dad went some, through some hellish times for a while there, you know? How are you now? We're great now. I mean, we get along great. But, I mean, I, you know, when I, like, when I was 16... Uh, I got arrested for fucking graffiti and fighting and stuff a bunch of times. And so I basically, like, w- went to, like, a therapist. And the therapist, I like, got really lucky. He's like, the, the, the court was basically making my parents send me to a therapist. Sure, sure. And so I'm, you know, talking to him and, like, explaining everything. And he was the first person that I ever really kind of put it into my mind. Like, oh, the reason why you are constantly on edge, constantly working, feel like you constantly need to be improving and doing better is because you grew up in an environment where you never knew if your dad was going to assault you over really something that was not correlated to your actual behavior, you know? And that, like, I was kind of like a badly behaved kid, but a lot of times when my dad would hit me, it would be more based on him being mad about something, you know? Sure. And that was the first time I really had that kind of idea exposed to me. And I remember even then that my the therapist was like, I want to get your dad in here. I want you guys to talk about this. I think it'd be really important. And I remember just being like, I can't imagine having that conversation with him. And we we, we never really did, but it felt like it all just kind of went by the wayside over time. It just doesn't seem like it matters anymore, you know? Were you, even now, you know, growing up, were you able to sit and talk to him like a regular guy now? or it's Now, still... for sure. Okay. Yeah. Now it's like all that stuff. I, I just feel like... We we did talk about it at a certain point, like sort of like on our own. He's, he's, he's a very like John Wayne type of guy who's just not going to really try to have a conversation unless he has to. But, you know, as the years have gone by, I just I, I have a lot more of an understanding and a respect for his life and what he went through as a man. Like I have a lot of sympathy for how, how much pressure he had on him with two kids and a wife. And I mean, he didn't know what the fuck he was doing. Sure, you know? sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's the thing people say, you know, I forgot who said it. I think it may have been, uh, Kenneth Montgomery, the lawyer, I'm not sure, but uh, I think uh, he said, yo, we're, we're just people, too. You yeah. know, like, I'm a parent, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. You have any kids? No. You know, but uh, that you know of. No. But, um, you know, you, you got to think about it, you know. We're just people, too, exactly. trying to live our lives. You know, the reason why I was asking that about Pops is because, you know, even me being young, getting arrested, young at graffitis, doing drugs, selling mm-hmm. drugs, like, just all, just fucking around. I, for a long time, try to pinpoint where that shit, like, why that, like, why I was like that. Because mm-hmm. I had good parents. I like, even, even my lady now, she says, I don't know who raised you because <laughs> your parents are good people. Yeah. And I say, I mean, I'm a good dude. I just was a knucklehead back. I didn't care. That's kind of its own burden in a way because if you meet some kid and he has terrible parents, terrible upbringing, and, and he went to jail, he got in trouble, it makes sense. For me, a lot of times people meet my parents are like, what the fuck? Like, they seem so nice <laughs> and well-mannered. Like, why, how did you end up going in a different way for a long time? And A lot of people look at me now. They're like, oh, you got tattoos, so you're probably a piece of shit right now. And even though... You think people still think like that? Eh. I would say I'm, like, a pretty productive member of society now. But still, you know, people, like, 
Oh, I had Dave Attell fucking basically call me a white supremacist last night. Really? <laughs> we went to this comedy show, and I went to use the bathroom, and like on my way out, I just hear him like, you see that guy? He looked like a friggin' Nazi with that tattoo on the back of his head. And I'm just like, <laughs> in the hallway, looking back, like, whoa. But they got off topic and stopped talking about me almost immediately. <laughs> I was like, man, that was weird. You know, it's funny because I think people from the generation before us are still very judgmental. I Even agree. with mom and pops, like, mm-hmm. when you got those tattoos, did they ever judge you? I, th- I mean, I felt or like... Or your uncles, you, you know? know? I started small. I started, like, on my chest and my leg, and my parents didn't really think it was that big a deal. And then, you know, by the time I started to get, like, full sleeves in my hands and my face, I already was starting to have money in, like, in a way that my parents could comprehend at that point because I was running a, a website, BMX website, that I started in 2006 called The Come Up. And, you know, by the time I actually, like, like I felt like they were really happy because they almost kind of knew that I was doing illegal shit and being a piece of shit for a long time. So by the time that I was getting a tattoo on the back of my head, it was like they already were just so relieved that they mm. felt like I probably was going to be okay, you know? Yeah. Now, with the BMX website, yeah, what made you even want to start that, just from being a BMX fan? <sighs> yeah, I was just online all the time, and I was always just looking at Narai, looking at Two Dope Boys, just checking out all the blogs of the time. And it just sort of occurred to me because, you know, I was a huge rap fan, but I didn't have any involvement in rap. Who'd you like? Huh? Who were you inspired by, like? With rap? Yeah. Shit. My when, my entry point was, like, Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre and Coolio and Eazy-E and N.W.A. and all this, like, West Coast shit. For some reason, that, like, fully hit me before I got into, like, you know, Wu-Tang and Nas and Jay and all that stuff. But, you know, that was my kind of initial entry point where I fell in love with it and then just sort of... Went from there. But, yeah, but like I was just spending a ton of time online, and I've been riding BMX at that point for 10 years. Now, I knew everything about it. Mongoose? <laughs> uh, I had a Schwinn. Schwinn was my oh, first. Schwinn, wow. That's, six, uh, my, that's my top of the line. My first bike was a Schwinn Powermatic 2. But then by that by that point, I like figured out very quickly that you had to upgrade to like hardcore raw BMX frames from companies like S&M or Fit or something like that, you know, the real the cool brands. What about pegs, you know, like in the back? Did you fuck All with that? four. Four pegs, no brakes for life. People, any, you, you ever ride the homies in the back? Uh, pause, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they get a flat, flat tire. Yes. You, get a, you take their whole bike and put it on your handlebars and then they stand on the back. Let me Although, just tell you. I not, love having a girl on the back pegs. That feels great. That, it's a beautiful thing, but yeah. not many people catch me on a pause like that, but uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm used to doing that and I kind of almost gave it up, but but yes, that was very worthy. Well, uh, I, no homo don't sound right anymore. Yeah. The world has changed. We had to leave it alone. I think pause is all right. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, the best bike, what would you say the best bike is? The best bike right now is probably any uh, BMX company who advertises on the comeup.com, the greatest BMX website in the world. <laughs> no, nah, I don't give a fuck. I, bikes are all basically exactly the same these days because they're all made in the same two fucking factories. Mm, where? So uh, in, in China or Taiwan or mm-hmm. where the fuck it is, I don't even know. I never bothered to go over there. But, I mean, it's like the, the differences in bike now are mostly cosmetic. It's a different color paint. It's a different rider endorsing it, that kind of thing. So a good bike is like we sell like, you know, 10 different bike brands and they're all the best bike brand from all of them or bike from all of them. Is you fuck the with same. Cannondale? Cannondale. They, I don't think they, shit, did they ever make BMX bikes? I had no, a Cannondale no, no, saying, road bike for Not a while. BMX bikes, but I'm saying like when I, I remember a point in time where people like Cannondales were about like 1500 at the time. Like this yeah. is like, I may have been like 17. Mm-hmm. So this may have been over 20 years ago. Goddamn. But, um, People were getting robbed for Cannon Deals. Yeah, those and, were nice. And I remember that they were the lightest bike I ever seen. Like, I would pick it up with just, like, my pinky yeah. or just, like, my index finger yeah. and just pick it up. And I was like, wow. You know, but not BMX bikes, but, yeah. yeah they, you know, I, I always felt very removed from, like, the overall bicycle culture. And I was just like, you know, I'm a BMX rider. Like, like I don't really... 
I consider myself a music fan to some degree, but really I'm a rap fan. Like really, if I never had to listen to fucking any other type of music for the rest of my life, I'd be totally fine. Sure. You know, Celine Dion can suck it. I don't really need that in my life. I mean, she got good clavicle bones. Yeah, well, that's she does. She does. Point. She's getting she's getting a little uh, wrinkly, but she got clavicle bones, and I yeah. fuck with her. Um, <laughs> you know, BMX. You think about it. Who's this? Uh, who passed away? It's amazing. Dave Mayer. Dave Mayer. Rest in peace. Did you ever go. meet him? Uh, yeah, I met him real quick a couple of times. I think he, he always had such a clean image. That I don't think he really wanted to like be taking too many photos with me. But I got a photo with him back in the day, even though it's like I'm about. Two heads taller than him too. He's a tiny guy. You but, know, finding you know, out what happened with him. Did, uh, you, did you ever? Did you ever? Could, I heard a lot of insider accounts of everything, and basically, I think you know a lot of that brain trauma, a lot of the pain pills that he was probably prescribed. You know, that shit all adds up. Not to mention, you get the fucking cosmonaut syndrome, where it's like you're an X game champion for seven or eight years. And then all of a sudden you're a regular guy and you just don't, like, what the fuck are you going to do with yourself? Like, I don't know what the fuck was going on with Dave Mayer when he killed himself, but I do know that he had a couple of daughters and a wife. So it's like, whatever he was going through, that shit was probably some really serious shit. Yeah. You know, I was just going to say that, too, because you think about it, you know, and, and, and rest in peace. You know, rest in peace. To, <clears throat> and, and, and prayers out to anybody who is going through anything similar mm-hmm. to that because... Look, you know, I love myself. Uh, when I was in the box for a year, I spoke about this on previous episodes. I did one year in the box. I thought there was a time where I was like, man, this I don't even want to live anymore. Mm-hmm. But I but I had my daughter, and I was like, there's no way. But I just, you know, it's, it's amazing you brought up that point because I just can't imagine having mm-hmm. kids and offing myself. You know what I mean? That's what made it so hard for people to understand. Actually, when I found out, I was in Argentina on a BMX trip, and we're in this fucking huge nightclub you know, it's 3 o'clock in the morning, and some kid who barely fucking speaks English runs up to me. He's like, I'm so sorry. I'm like, what? Dave Mayer killed himself. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, you know, I'm wasted. I'm fucking in this club. We're all just hanging out, hanging out with these girls and stuff. And all of a sudden, I'm just fucking crying in the club. My eyes are fucking watering up. And it was just like, because that guy, like, nobody could ever put into words how much bigger he was than everyone else in BMX. Like, the level of stardom he was able to achieve and all the things he was able to do in BMX, it, it elevated the whole thing. Like, a rising tide like right, raises all boats, whatever the fuck this saying is, you know? And it's like, then when he... You know, BMX is in a weird spot because it's kind of like... It's not skateboarding. Skateboarding is gigantic. It's not quite that. You know, it's not quite motocross, which is really big. It's kind of like the weird, like, stepbrother of those sports in a weird way. Like And, and when Dave did that, it almost, like sort of had, like, a weird effect on, like, the overall feeling of the community because it's like, damn, if if the best that we've ever been able to produce went out like that, then what the fuck does that say about us? Sure. What about Nigel Silvestri? You ever, you ever hung with him? Yeah, shout out to Nigel, man. I've known him since he was, like, 16, and he's always been putting in work. I remember him riding Brooklyn Banks, fucking sweating his ass off, like, looking like Michael Jordan back, like, when he was 16, just... <sighs> putting in work he's nasty with it i know nigel Grinding. a long time too one thing i like is that he's been able to consistently stay with sponsors mm. and that's that, the reason why i'm mentioning that is because he's been able to live his dream mm-hmm. and and it's it's great when people not only open doors but continue because that makes it easier for the next person too true yeah he's very like from the very beginning like i don't know who it was but he always had people on the right in his ear telling him like hey like the value of being brand friendly or being able to put yourself out there and get looks like going and doing some because i saw him go up like it's a big thing like if you're trying to make a name for yourself and you want to be in the media like you need to go out and get really really small media appearances that will then help you snowball into bigger stuff like you're never gonna get a complex video or a vice feature until you go and i remember seeing him do 
the fucking hip hop DX profile and the all hip hop.com profile, all this little shit and thinking, you know, that's interesting. He's like bothering to go in that direction. But then I like a couple of years later, I saw like the full vision of like, Oh, you're, you're creating a, 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 a template for bigger media companies to be able to understand why you're interesting. You know, sure. you have no jump in a podcast. Mm-hmm. The store is called what? On some shit. On some shit. And what's in the store? In the store, we sell our own clothing line. On some shit, uh, we sell a lot of the no jumper branded stuff. We sell bikes. We sell bike parts. We sell st- stickers. Uh, you know, all kinds of shit. Is it a fucking hangout? Uh, in back is often time to hang out. We gotta like, be pretty strict with the rules and stuff because we always got all kinds of weirdos trying to roll up in there. It's probably. Honest to God, probably a good hundred backwoods gets smoked on the premises every day. God damn. Yeah, it's scary. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Let me ask you something. No jumper. Yeah. Where's that come from? So I was I had like a little sit down with a friend of mine at the time, and it was like my other two brand names came very simply, like the Come Up, the BMX website. Mm-hmm. That was off the top of my head. I just thought, you know what? I'm just going to call it the Come Up, and I don't know what the fuck it, I thought, but it was a very apt metaphor because I like made a lot of BMX kids semi-famous by promoting them through the website and everything and then with on some shit like i remember i was sitting in the gym doing leg lifts with my buddy uh brendan garone uh of the hardcore band incendiary and he just said like because i had been talking about wanting to start a brand that would be like a bmx brand but that would have like you know some some weed imagery and stuff like that basically just because i had a lot of friends smoking a ton of weed i just wanted to do like a cool brand that was sort of like be able to represent more of like our aesthetic concerns and he and my friend brendan just goes you should call it uh on some shit oss and you should rip off this old band shirt for your first shirt and i did that and it worked out pretty well and he never tried to sue me so i appreciate that <laughs> <laughs> i like that now but listen no, oh so it's but no jumper is the gucci man lyric uh, bon, uh 95 air max because i'm a dope running bond like an alley we got no jumper mm. so that like is from the song bricks and i always liked it because like, you think about what he's actually saying you know he's balling like an athlete but got no jumper it's like no no sports ability Nowadays, Gucci looks like he probably plays sports, but at the time, he's a big fat ass, and he's you know. It's amazing how he's well, transformed, man. He, he he's come home. He looks amazing. Mm-hmm. He uh, it's it's bro, man. Gucci's living life, and I think it's, I think what he's doing is showing people. And I pray that he stays home because mm-hmm. people, for some reason, in 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 our culture, think that. Like, you come home from jail, you want to go back, like, yo, come home and stay home. Well, he did that 10 yeah, times. Yeah, of like, course. I just read his autobiography, and it's unbelievable. It just keeps happening over yeah. and over. He'll get clean for six months or some shit, but start I to pray. get it together, you know. But with Gucci, I don't know, he's a goat to me. Like, this was probably one of the, damn, when I did that top five earlier, I didn't even include him, did I? Damn. Fuck. You want, you, Combat made me do my top five. Shouts to Combat. You want to you wanna sit down with uh, Gucci? Oh, yeah. I, was, I text Todd Moskowitz every once in a while and just remind him that he told me he would try to make that happen. So, yeah. sooner or later. You got, when did you start the No Jumper podcast? And what made you want to start it? So, what happened was I was running the BMX website for like 10 years and, you know, I was kind of, I was just trying to do as, as good a job as possible with that. But then at a certain point, I started to realize, like, damn, there's a, there's a ceiling to this shit. Like, at the end of the day, I'm just doing insular marketing. I'm like talk, making BMX videos for people who already ride BMX bikes. Like that's like at a certain point, it's not as satisfying anymore. So I thought I would. I was already interested in Combat's podcast. I was listening to you and him on there. I was listening to Rosenberg and and uh, the Epstein thing and Sif, yeah, and uh, listening to Joe Rogan had a big influence on me at the time. And I basically was just like, you know what, I could do, I could do good BMX podcast. So I just decided to start doing that. That was almost four years ago. 
And uh, then the second podcast I ever did was this dude, Xavier Wolf, who's like an underground legend in the in the L.A. scene. He's from Memphis. And we had just become good friends. We were riding bikes together and stuff because he just didn't have anything to do. He's like 19. And fucking we were just kicking it, hanging out. I did his first interview, and that one did really good numbers. A lot of the other underground artists like in the scene and stuff started to hit me up. So I decided to sort of branch out, no jumper. And I was doing a lot of like up-and-coming streetwear brands and you know, just different people involved in the sort of youth culture in L.A. And that just the rap stuff really started to stick and people started to really go crazy for that. So that sort of just became more my lane. One thing I like is um, you you have great content and you have a lot of guests yeah, on, but a lot that. of good variety. You know, yeah. you have everybody from like, you know, I just seen Action or or Peter Rosenberg. But then you have like you had Yachty on, right? Mm-hmm. You know, Yachty's first interview. It was like Andy Dick really? on. Andy Dick. That was a good one. What mm-hmm. also made your favorite? Interviews you ever done, well conversations because I like I, I know the yeah. interviews but I feel like what we do is like just I mean I guess conversations yeah. called interviews. I mean but. I could list them off all day but like I just met Action, yeah. one of the coolest dudes I ever met. Like I, I knew he was gonna be cool from his music and his TV show and everything, but just feeling the warmth from from him as a person was like kind of astonishing. Yeah. And, yeah. and the way he opened up in the interview, I was like, man, this is my kind of guy. This is a fucking he's all tr- heart. a true New York boy who just. He's got all the, the culture fucking oozing bro, out of him. Bro, he's all heart. You know, Combat, we were his first interview. His really? first time, yeah. That's we awesome, man. Yeah. yeah, I've been a fan of him since day one. I just did Wyclef. That's not even out yet, but like, he's sitting there playing the fucking No Jumper theme on his guitar. I'm just like, I mean, Wyclef, again, just like, holy fuck, you're ridiculously rich. You're so famous, and you're just sitting here being the most normal cool guy i remember my life it just kind of makes you aspire to not change and not become a weirdo as you get more popular you know you know you're doing a bunch of things you know you're not just doing one thing you're springboarding you got the store you got the podcast you know you socially you're very active even with the youtube right mm-hmm. how did you get into doing youtube videos well i was making like bmx videos for the youtube channel for a while and then i started putting uh the podcast with the BMX riders on there that was always doing well. I started making some okay money from that, but at the same time, okay money is like I was making maybe two thousand dollars a month from YouTube for BMX content. And then when I started No Jumper, you know, it's a podcast, but I decided to sort of focus on the visual element as being part of it from the sure. beginning, just because I figured that would help make it stand out. We still put it on SoundCloud and iTunes and everything like that, but you know, it's uh, the YouTube thing. I, and, and then at a certain point, I was doing a lot of interviews, but I sort of realized like, oh, I want to. I want to be able to make content more consistently and like vlogging was very big. So I started to make videos of me just sort of living my life. And and a lot of times me living my life is like, I go meet up with a bunch of rappers in the course of the day, or I go have some meeting, I had a meeting at vice the other day. And so vice is in the fucking vlog and stuff like that. You know, I just, like, you're still, you're still doing the vlog. Yeah. I still do it. Sometimes every couple of days I'll do one. And I don't know. I just, I like to like dip my shit into the, the, the thing about the vlogs is that the kids just love them. I don't really make any money off them anymore because YouTube fucking terrible. But uh, what's the most you ever made with YouTube in a month? I guess so. Yeah, forty-five grand. What the fuck? Yeah, that, and then that went away, and that hurt. <laughs> <laughs> why? Did, why did that go away? Because YouTube basically just decided that they were just going to become complete and total fucking just superintendents about the content that their ads would appear on because they had a bunch of brands pull out because of like you know certain people just making videos that were monetized and you know coca-cola is like we don't want our fucking video on this we don't want to add on this video because this guy made a holocaust joke Mm. you know and it's one fucking guy who made a holocaust joke but then all of a sudden like and i am not kidding i'm telling you 
goddamn near everybody has lost like 90% of the revenue on YouTube, except the people who are making squeaky clean Disney Channel type content. So, and it's, it's not just me, you know, I, I, it sucks for me to lose that money, but I'm talking about a fucking guy who makes a video called, you know, why I love being Muslim mm-hmm. and his whole fucking channel gets all the revenue taken away because he puts the word Muslim in the title and they're just, they're, they're just demonetizing shit on a completely bizarre basis. But I mean, for me at this point, it's like, I don't need that YouTube money. Like I'm making money from other stuff. So I don't really have to worry about it too much. Now, uh, you know, obviously with all the stuff you do, they're going to consider you also like a social influencer. Mm. How hard is it to make a living doing that stuff? Because there is available money doing that. It probably is. I don't really know exactly what it is. I don't really get a lot of those Mm -hmm. offers. I mean, if somebody... You know, I've done some weird stuff. Like, I talked about a fucking video game, like an iPhone game one time in a video, and I got, like, a check for, like, six grand for talking about a video game for a minute. So, you know, that's cool. I'm down to do stuff like that. But, I mean, you know, sometimes I'll get, like, a little deal to promote, like, an app or something, and it'll be, like, again, like, probably something like that. And so that's cool. But, I mean, it's not... It's just not consistent. Like, a lot of times you get a deal like that, and you're like, oh, that's fucking sick. I want to get, you know, two more of those this month. And it's just it's very, very hard. But once you're gigantic, I think it's a lot easier to pull that kind of stuff. But You know, know when I seen you uh, up in iHeart on The Brilliant Idiots, mm-hmm. he told me, he says, you may not remember, but years ago you called me out. <laughs> and I was like, what? I don't remember calling you out. But one thing, I, and we'll go over that real quick, but one thing I do want to say is, which I am proud of you, and, and even somebody like, it's the real. I want to give them a shout out too, mm-hmm. because, yeah, you know, there's certain people when you look at people, that are just really authentic and mm-hmm. organic. It doesn't matter what color they are. That's one thing I will say about Eric and Jeff from Insta Real, and I'll yes. say it about you, because I don't like, as being Italian, but also obviously white, I don't like white people who try to hate on white mm-hmm. people, especially in front of, like, say, black or brown yeah, people to, to act cool. Yeah, like, kind of like, man, fuck, you know, like, just be yourself. And mm-hmm. that's one thing I will say about, like, Eric and, and, and Jeff from Insta Real. They have been nobody but themselves. Exactly. And, and, and you, and and that's when why I, I think they're yeah. almost universally respected yeah. within yeah. rap, you know? And that's why even when I look at you, you know, it's like, keep in mind, you're saying that you're running around with rappers and you're doing this. And it's not about color. It's just about how you're coming off. Mm-hmm. People respect that person. Yeah. And, it's, and and you can't make that shit up. Yeah. like I, I think the thing, it was something where I called somebody a corny ass white boy. But like I mean, you know, I'm being sarcastic. Obviously, I'm a fucking white boy too. I forget, but like I, for some reason, you were involved. I, I may have read it wrong. Yeah, you know, you just didn't know me or whatever, and you were just like, ah, that's some sucker shit, hating on your own <laughs> color or something. And which I actually do agree with now because I feel like that's kind of like a lame, comedic crutch to just fall back on, like making fun of white people or whatever. But I think it's kind of lame because a lot of those jokes are the kind of thing that if you remove white and replace it with like black or Muslim, it's like the most offensive thing you could ever imagine in your whole yeah. life. So I don't, I don't really like. I feel like that's kind of played out. You know, I'm very uh, aware of and accepting of the failings of the white race, but, you know, I don't. I just think it's not really, like, productive in the long term to sort of, like, shit on anybody for their race or their color or anything, regardless of if they're in power or if they're, you know, in a sure, different sure. position, you know? You think about, you know, even, like, in hip-hop, you think about, like, just how much impact the Spanish community oh, have, yeah. ha- have gotten from Big Pun, Fat Joe, you know, Cuban Link. You mm-hmm. think about, like... You know, uh, God, there's so many. Even uh, this young pump. kid, yeah. I mean, even uh, <laughs> with a pump, technically you know, Hispanic. Well, well, but even I, I like Bodega Bams too. I mean, you know, like like just there's a, like you think about that. There is a Spanish community that loved hip hop. Huge, like what one. Big Pun, yeah. What Big Pun did, except for uh, Rich Chiga. I don't know if he got the, the Asian community. Is he Indonesian? Yeah. But Have you sat nice with, him with him? Yeah. 
Yeah. I didn't interview him, but he's he's a nice kid, and I feel like uh, this dude, the Asian uh, hip hop world is exploding, and I feel like that's gonna make rap itself way bigger because the Koreans, the Japanese, they fucking love rap now, and they have their own stars. Yeah, but the only thing I think that people probably wouldn't weren't taking him serious. True. You know, um, I, I don't know. Chicken makes some pretty all right music, though. To be honest, yeah, I, I think he's all right. I feel like he could he could go a long way, in my opinion. Let's 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 move it to the fact of you're running around. Actually, how did you even get to L.A.? I just decided to move to L.A. after like seven years in New York. Yeah, I just started thinking about it. There was a lot of reasons, like business-wise, where it would be convenient. A bunch of my friends, like we, we all lived, like all the kids I would ride with, they would live in Connecticut or Jersey or Boston or whatever, and then they would just come and I'd have eight dudes stand on my floor for the weekend in, in Brooklyn. And at a certain point, it was kind of like, damn, like we could get an apartment in Long Beach and it would be way fucking cheap. These dudes aren't going to move to Brooklyn because they don't have any money. They're living with their parents and shit. They're like all oh, a few years younger than me. So like, you know, it just sort of occurred to me like, damn, we can move to Long Beach, get a big ass house. It's going to be pretty cheap. The whole industry is out there for BMX and everything. So I'd be able to actually like really like build. I was sort of like a black sheep in a way because I was the only person who was not in la basically in the bmx industry at that time in america it was like you know so just there's a lot of reasons and it, it's a, it also just sort of occurred to me like i've been here for seven years and there's nothing really holding me here mm. you know, so, so you moved to la moved to moved to long beach had okay. a pretty low-key couple of years there and then moved to la and started the bike shop and then we were downtown for three years which if you don't know too much about la downtown is basically like fucking the the walking dead it's like a scene from the walking dead because there's so many fucking homeless people everywhere really it smells like a dead body everywhere you go there's a, there's a lot of bad things about downtown it's not really like an accommodating area there's no fucking parking so it's like you know i would have rappers come to do interviews and they're like you know i'm, I'm, I'm having like dj paul from three six come down and do an interview and he's saying like damn you're really in the slums out here like <laughs> he's bad. horrified you know like did he, did he bring his barbecue sauce uh he, he didn't but i think we talked about it very briefly oh, yeah he's point. got a barbecue sauce out yeah, he's um, a cool guy i like that guy but uh you know, downtown sucks. So then we moved to Melrose and West Hollywood, and that's been about a million times more productive. Can, so did you adapt? Are you officially now adapted to the L.A. life? Yeah. Yeah. I'm a total what L.A. Is, douchebag. What, 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 is, what is the L.A. life, though? You got to smoke a lot more weed. You got to okay. smoke weed in public. I know people smoke well, weed here, but give me they do some it in restraints. their room. Give me some restraints. Oh, I don't even pay attention to all this shit. I don't even believe in any of that. No. So eh. what do you smoke? It's all the same. I don't fucking know. Get the fucking Listen, bro. if you give me a blunt of mid... And you give me a blunt of some cannabis cup winning shit, yeah, I could I could tell the difference. Yeah, but if you smoke Reggie, you're gonna go to sleep. You fucking get I mean, a headache. I don't know. I feel like I smoke so many fucking blunts in a given day and I never once consider what the fuck is in it. But you know what? I'm kinda proud because I've been here for four days and I fucking haven't smoked weed at all besides I was in the studio with smoke perp. I had the blunt a few times. And- really? Drank a little lean, but let's not talk about that. <laughs> what other drugs are you doing? Uh, you know, like when we're out drinking, it's okay. I don't know how popular cocaine is here, but in L.A., it's like if you're out drinking, like doing some coke is just the most ordinary thing. So I'll do yeah. that a little bit. But, you know, I didn't really start drinking and getting fucked up until I was like 25. So I like I kind of avoided the whole like segment of your life where I think you get really addicted to that shit. So I don't know. I smoke weed pretty much every day, but I've been on this trip and it's been nice not smoking. So that's cool. And, you know, I fuck, you know, but what I actually like is I actually, like, the first time I ever did lean, I was like, oh, my God, I got to be really fucking careful with this shit because this is, like, sure. this is it for me. I'm very up. I'm very, like, energetic and stuff. And it's nice to be able to sort of slow yourself down a little bit at night. But, I mean, if, if you start doing that sort of semi-frequently, it's a terrible habit. You, you ever found yourself, um, you know, I guess addicted to any drug that, were, that you were saying? Because, you know, sometimes we're in denial. Mm-hmm. 
You know what I mean? We're yeah. like, eh, I'm good, I'm good. But then you find yourself doing it all the time. I feel like I've always been so paranoid about it being addicted to anything that even like the, I did. I went through this one week. There was this girl from Ireland who sort of like flew out, and uh, she had this big sack of Zans because she's from fucking Ireland. Yeah, Somebody sure. gave them for, for the plane or whatever. And so me and my roommate just started eating them all. And I didn't really know any better. I thought they were like fucking taking a Vicodin or something. And so over the course, you know, for the next week straight, I'm just chilling with this girl, cuddling, fucking doing nothing, eating ass, just being a total fucking loser, just laying <laughs> around. And I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, what the fuck got into you? Are you crazy about this girl? Because now you're just, you're not working. You're just chilling out. Like, what is this? And then we ran out of Zans. And I drove that bitch home, and I realized that I was fucking brainwashed by the Xanax. <laughs> and then I was very careful after that, because that just made me realize, like, damn, this is some powerful shit. Because not only was I taking it every day for a week, but I didn't realize that it was the reason why I was taking it every week. That's why that shit is dangerous as fuck. Are you an ass eater? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, you can ask her that. Okay. okay. We'll, we'll get her on soon. Yeah. Lena or Alana or Yeah, he's Leonard. so nice. I mean, to be honest, it's kind of like, I haven't had a girlfriend for a year now. Why is that? Why do I have had a girlfriend for a year? Because mm-hmm. she's nice, really sweet, really pretty, really fun. Let friendly. me ask you something. Is it hard to be creative if you're with somebody? I don't think so at all because she's an enabler. Like, she really cares about what I'm doing. And she's like, you know, it's like if I if I called her tomorrow and I was like, hey, like, I can't see you the next fucking week because I got all this work to do or I got to go on tour. I mean, she, she gets it. Like, she's not going to. True. She might be a little lonely, but she's not going to fucking hold it against me. You know, she gets what I'm trying to do. You need someone who is, uh, mm-hmm. you know, understands where you're going. Yes. And, and uh, But listen, you talk about, it's funny because you talk about like, uh, you know, Coke or you talk about pills. In this day and age, I, I never would believe, but uh, was it um, Oxycontin and Ooh, uh, what, what else? Um, uh, Percocets. Percocets, those are huge. Um, you think about it like, and this is the crazy thing, people are committing suicide. People are dying, overdosing. Young kids mm-hmm. take, I, I, I know kids from Brooklyn, from Staten Island, uh, take 25, 30 a day. Ugh. I'm talking about have a, and, and those shits are not cheap. Mm-hmm. You no, 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 not at all. The oxys, yeah, fifty, sixty bucks a pill. Yeah, and I know, shit bro. I, it's a habit that you can't have unless you're fucking robbing people or doing God knows and what. And the craziest thing is, these kids go to heroin because yeah. it's cheaper, They're way cheaper. Yeah, you know, have you seen that that wave out there in LA? You know, not me in LA, but where I grew up in New Hampshire is like one of the worst places in the world for heroin. Now. Really? So it's like every every fucking year I get to hear about a couple more kids I went to high school with who were dying from it, and yeah, super scary. I'm glad I never try that i mean i hear i mean people always say like zans and lean are like pretty fucking close chemically to heroin so you know i know kids who are addicted to fucking fentanyl which is supposedly a hundred times more powerful than heroin what the fuck is that it's the real shit like it's like a patch that you like put on your shit on your arm or something i interviewed this kid slug christ who's full-blown addicted to it tell me all about it It was crazy you what's your uh what's that what's your what's your best drug story <laughs> meaning like one of the most highest you ever were was it acid? Was it Coke? I mean, yeah, it's probably Coke. Like, fucking, they're definitely, I don't know. I, th- I feel like there was one moment, and babe, I'm sorry I'm telling this story in front of you and it doesn't involve you, because a lot of my favorite sexual stories are just straight up, like, me and her getting fucked up and just going out clubbing, and then somehow we bring some girl home, and we just start getting, like, a lot Together, of times. I can't wait to bring her on the mic. Jeez. When we come back from the break, we're bringing you on the mic. But there's one that really stands out for me from, like, maybe six years ago, where basically I was seeing a girl we went to Tijuana. We got a bunch of code. We started getting drunk. We went to a strip club. The fucking strip club owner like rushes us to the front of the stage because he thought we were hot. All of a sudden, I got my little fucking shrunken coke dick. My girlfriend's sucking it on fucking stage. 
She's <laughs> naked. I got this Mexican strippers eating her ass. And like somehow in this whole process, my fucking phone falls out of my pocket. And so when I, when I realize I'm so mad and I'm just like, I fucking dump out all the rest of the coke on my hand, hoover that shit up. And then uh, the fucking, uh, the, 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 my girl, the girl I was chilling with, to her credit, she starts telling the guy, hey, you know, he lost his fucking phone. You owe me two girls in a private room right now. So then all of a sudden I'm in this private room in this fucking Tijuana strip club and I'm banging my girlfriend and these two strippers. And it was, I mean, they're, they're on my list of sex partners, it's just like Mexican stripper one, Mexican stripper two, so. Bro, you are you're a fucking rock star, bro. Yeah, I had no clout then either, so I'm doing this off, off of nothing. Really? Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me as much now, but I was doing, that was back in the day. That was seven years ago, eight years ago. You, you, you know, it's funny because I feel like you have lived the life that you probably haven't explained that well meaning like you've seen a lot of shit that you just done that people don't know of you know what i mean yeah. like, like you know yeah we're socially out there doing things but there's a lot of things that i feel like you have done that probably you know maybe uh people don't know of it's weird because i feel like i tried and failed at so many fucking things like throughout the early stages of my life you know when i look back at it it's like when I was 18, I thought like I was I was going to all these hardcore shows, all these bands, right? And I thought, oh, you know, I'm gonna go on tour with them. I'm gonna like just get to see the world, travel, sell T-shirts, whatever. You know, I did that for like a, a month or two. Didn't really like enjoy it that much. You know, I tried to do the online poker thing for a year or two. That went okay for a while. I tried to be a scammer. I tried to be a drug dealer. I tried to be a BMX video maker. I tried to be a BMX blogger. So when a lot of people look at it and they're like, oh, you're killing it with this podcast thing, I'm like, yeah, well. You know, the fucking 15th idea I, I tried had to be the one that would make sure. me a lot of money, yeah. Sure, I think people <laughs> see things and they think it's so easy, you know. Yeah. Even like, you know, if if the normal podcast is once a week, people then people don't understand how much it takes to do that, mm. you know. It's a process. Yeah, it's true. You I, know, I don't know. It, you just got to fail over and over and over figuring out what you want to do. Like you never, like everything I ever fucked up at, I could look back on and be like, yo, that's that was a very, very good learning experience. Or... Maybe I sh- didn't have to do that. Maybe I, sh- I didn't need that learning experience. You you dated porn stars before? Eh, dating no? is is a. Oh, did you fucked porn stars yeah, before? Yeah, yeah. You know, I'll be honest with you. For me, I always felt like I had a couple porn stars that I was talking to, and I don't know. It's funny. Like I guess at that time I was like, damn, I was very attracted to them, but I was like, damn man, they had mad dicks in their pussy, man. You know. <laughs> And I'm like, you know, it's funny. You mentioned something off here that we were talking about, like about getting over a girl when you just see a porn video and she's got like people, five people jacking off on her. Yeah, you're breaking up with a girl and you're sort of, you know, thinking like, oh, maybe I want to see her again. And then you're like, no, I'm going to go to Pornhub and I'm going to watch five dudes nut on her face and I'm going to jerk off and I'm not going to think about it for a couple of days because that shit is nasty as fuck. And it's just like, it's just an easy way to write her off. Now, now how, how the fuck do you, you never had a, did you have a girlfriend that was a porn star? Uh, no, when I first moved to LA, I mean, in LA, dating a porn star, hanging out with porn stars, like hanging out with a fucking waitress. Mm. There's so many of them. You know, it's like, and I mean, if you got some coke, then you're probably going to hang out with a porn star. You probably, yeah. you know, you get some fucking, you got a nice car, you probably hang out with a porn star. It's not now really, you're putting a line on their pussy and then snorting it, or they put it on your dick and snort it? You know, one time I had a girl try to snort a line off my dick, but my dick was kind of wet from her just sucking it, and the whole, the coke all turned into this, like, putty <laughs> And she's trying to suck it. She's trying to snort it up, but it's fucking, it's like paste at this point. That's kind of no, sad. It's, it's, <laughs> like you just wasted some fucking blow, bro. Nah. I wish I had a video of that. Yo, it's co- Coke is, Coke got to be major, like uh, more expensive in LA than New York, right? No? I mean, 50 bucks a gram, 60 bucks a gram. God I don't know. Damn. That's the price of 
Yeah. Hey, listen, listen. I don't know what the fuck other people have been. Listen, you know what? Let's take a quick break. Um, what I want you to do is... Um, go do cocaine. <laughs> I want you to go... I, w- I want you to... Listen, book yourself an appointment for a tattoo. Make no jumper. Make no jumper. Make Adam uh, happy. Yes. We're sitting here with the one and only on some shit, Adam22, hey. LA Zone, formerly New Hampshire Zone. Mm-hmm. Cheer. Be right Astoria, back. Bushwick. Astoria, really? Order? I love him. I'll right, be right back. Astoria for a couple years, Bushwick. Yeah, what's up? This is the Podfather, a.k.a. C. Diddy, a.k.a. Chris Morrow of the Loudspeakers Network. We're here with, is he the Loudspeakers' very owned? We'll have to tune in and see. Premium Pete right here on the Premium Pete Show. Internet's and we're back sitting here with the one and only Adam 22. Could have been Adam 1. Could have been Adam 11. Could have been Adam 34. The first man. But it's No Jumper's own. No. <laughs> Yo, is there anybody else on, on No Jumper? No Jumper should be like a fucking, uh, like a label. A music label? Like, no, everything. You might have just said something somewhat prophetic. Why? Not pathetic, but prophetic. Okay, okay, yeah. Just because. Word of the day. A lot of people talk to me about that. You know, the label thing. How do you do, you know, you know what I really admire about you? The young kids, mm. you, you fuck with the older dudes, you respect the older dudes, mm. and and the young kids fuck with you and you fuck with them. Yeah, somehow I just like never really lost track of being into what young people are into or wanting to know about the new shit. Like that always just kind of appealed to me. And like I feel like now, especially with like there being so much availability of information, it's like the the the, the chase to find out about the new rapper kid who's you know the new sixteen year old savage is like a it's a crazy contest and sometimes you feel like a fucking basketball scout because you're like you're looking at dudes who are not developed they might be five percent of the way there but you're like this kid has got something you know i I talk to people from labels a lot and i actually enjoy like getting into that a and r mentality of like what you know how far along is this kid or like what else would he need or what what are the things that could help him you know sure like fundamentals that's amazing i didn't know that you were going that far who are some of the kids that you like like right now who do you think that is 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 up and coming or who do you think that is doing real well that people may not know of I mean, there's a kid named Trippy Red that I really have a lot of faith that he's going to be kind of a superstar. He's, he's, they compare him to Lil Uzi Vert a lot. Where's he out of? He's out of uh, Cincinnati. Okay. Out in Ohio. And uh, there's a kid named Killy from Toronto. He's very, like, he's got some crazy videos on uh, on YouTube that are just visually, like, astounding. And his, and I have a, a lot of faith in him. Um I met this girl Rico Nasty the other day from uh, the DMV, and she's she's a chick who's very very. She got a bunch of songs going real viral right now, and I have a lot of faith in her. There's there's a lot, man. I remember you saying that there's some kids that you know you met that you feel are not fully there, but they're like almost there, and it's like you're almost like you know you finding out like from people if you know what they like. It's like you, you like you spoke before about being a scout. Yeah, it's like a lot of times that's what I think people get confused is they'll be like, oh, Adam co-signs a bunch of whack-ass uh you know weird rap and it's like like if i'm a lot of the stuff i like i'm not under the illusion that this could be a top hit you know but i look at the artist and they're up and coming or whatever and i'm like i like it because he's 10 percent of the way there and it's like somebody used the metaphor one time is like you're a fucking it's like you're a high school basketball scout where you if you're i, mean, I don't know jack shit about basketball but i mean you, you go to the game you sit there you watch some fucking 12 year old run and like these scouts can tell, they're like, "Oh, that guy's gonna be great sure, when he's, he's eighteen, be, yeah, sure, you know." Sure. So a lot of times, I feel like that's it. I, I'd be looking at a rapper that I genuinely enjoy, and I'd be able to sit there and say, "Okay, well, if I was in the studio with him, 
I could have made this song make a lot more fucking sense. I could have told them to replace this part in the verse. I could have told them to make this part the hook. This do this, do this. You know, like there's a lot of things that even I could tell them how to make the song better. But I don't need the song to be a complete product for me sure. to enjoy it. I'm interested in what the kids got going on. You know, where do you think you gain that knowledge from? I just feel like I kind of innately have like an understanding of like how rap should be structured, and like even like a lot of times I'm in the studio with my friends and like. They'll like phrase something sort of awkwardly in a lyric, and it's it it took me a while to kind of get the confidence to do it. But I, I like pull them aside and be like, "Yo, like, <laughs> I guess it's just because you know maybe I have a little bit more of a background in terms of actually writing and stuff, and like how sentences should be structured or how words should be used." That I'll kind of pull them aside and say, like, "Hey, maybe in this line, like, if you said this instead of this, and like, you know, I I love when I have a, a relationship with a rapper where we're close enough that they'll actually like respect." Sure, sure. I listen to them. you. Yeah. So I really love that, and it's it's kind of. I was talking to uh, fucking uh, um, Dante Ross about it the other day. Shouts to Dante. And I said to him, I'm like, you know, I know that you do shit like that. Like, how do you do that? And he's like, well, my thing is, he goes, I know how to use Pro Tools and everything. So if there's a part in the song that I think could use work or whatever, or I like, I can move some stuff around and actually show them how it would sound that way. I thought that was really interesting because then he doesn't have to be confrontational or anything. He can just say, hey. Like, look at this little thing I just rigged up here. Because a lot of times people don't realize that the choruses on rap songs are not always the chorus that the artist thought was going to be the chorus. Mm. When Future did that fucking Percocet, Molly Percocet, mm. I heard that was not the chorus. <laughs> and that after the fact, the fucking producer took it out of one of the verses and just made that the chorus, which I think is fascinating. Like, I just love behind-the-scenes shit with rap in general, you know? Yeah. Have you directly uh, put on any artists from your platform? I feel like the biggest artists that we sort of, like, broke per se or a lot of the South Florida dudes like XXS Tentacion like he did his interview and then he blew the fuck up out of jail while he was in jail and like people didn't really have that much to go on he had like 10 songs out you know so they kept sort of like referring back to his podcast as like a way to explain who he was so that's like got like 5 million views somebody like Lil Pump and Smoke Perp you know they just having like an honest like organic friendship with them I felt like that we were a very big part, like took them on their first tour, did the first Smoke Perp interview, stuff like that. So it's like we have a like my relationships with these dudes is they're just young kids to me. Like people look at little little pump like he's a fucking maniac or whatever. And to me it's like I met him when he was sixteen, which was like a year ago. And like, you know, it's it's just a kid to me. Like I'm used to being around crazy seventeen year olds with a lot of talent through the BMX shit, you know. So now sure. I'm around little pump and he's rapping instead of doing bike tricks and it doesn't really seem that weird to me. Yeah. How important is it to explain to these kids at a young age to brand themselves like meaning like not just music because mm -hmm. you're not just doing one thing either and you understand the game is not just only the podcast it's mm -hmm. the store it's the branding it's the working with companies the visual sense to be real like a kid like Lil Pump or X I mean they are born with an innate sense of like viral marketing that I'm not sure that any adult could really like go out of their way to obtain like somebody like Lil Pump understands Instagram and how to get a lot of likes on Instagram and what kind of caption is going to do well on Instagram to a level that, you know, I'm in awe of because these kids grew up online. They know that shit. Like, they know what's going to work. So in terms of, like, self-branding and a lot, and people always complain about, like, oh, it's all image now. It's not really about the music. There's a lot of truth to that because a lot of these kids, it's just they're so good at marketing themselves that that becomes, like, such a gigantic part of the game. Mm. You know, I didn't ask you before. Um off topic of where we are now, where, where, when did you get your first tattoo? 
And where was it? My first tattoo was like a, a eagle on my calf, and it said "True Till Death" because I was still straight edge at this time. At eighteen, at eighteen, I thought I was capable of making decisions about what I was going to do until I died, which seems kind of funny now. It's halfway covered up by a big ass gorilla, though, and I just I kind of want to get another tattoo on the back of my calf that will cover up the, the other part of this little eagle. It was just an outline. It cost me like a hundred bucks. Is there somebody that did it? You ever, you ever had Mr. Cartoon do any tattoos? Nah. If I if I did, I might fucking want to start watching out what neighborhood I go to in, in L.A. Fucking all his tattoos are fucking crazy ass cholo, scary Hispanic tattoos. I look at those and I'm like, damn, that's that's like a whole other world of tattoos to me. Is there is there somebody that you know like is pretty famous from tattoos that you well, gotten from? There's a tattoo shop that I always uh, stand for that I wish I could still get tattooed by because they're in fucking Brooklyn. It's on uh, Smith Street. Fucking uh, there's a guy named Eli Quinters and Steve Bolts. I think they both still tattoo. Either. There's a guy named Burt Crack, and they're all like just the illest OGs in terms of like traditional tattooing in in New York. And uh, even when I get tattooed in LA, like I'll ask Eli, I'll be like, yo, who who am I getting tattooed by in, in LA? Because I trust their opinion so much. And like those dudes to me are the, the coolest tattooers I ever met in my life. And the fact that they do it out of, off Smith Street is pretty amazing. So they, the honest to God, the reason why I got so many damn tattoos is because I met this dude Eli and just got along with him so well that I was just completely comfortable going to him every week or two for a long time in Brooklyn, even though now I'm in L.A., I'm totally out of the routine again. tattoos. Like, I want to get my whole back done. But, man, it's like that. that's a that's like a, a, a horrible day followed by a bunch of pretty shitty days after that. So You're going to need a couple of fucking Xanax for that. Oh, easy. Yeah. You know? <laughs> easy, yeah. You, you get tattoos straight up or you got to be high or drunk? No, I got fucked up. I got totally. I don't really fuck with pills that much when I get tattooed. Oh yeah, we're yeah. drinking liquor, we're taking Zans, we're taking pain. It's bad, bro. Like I'm fucking on. You know what they told me? They told me that Molly's the one to get tattooed on. Really? Yeah, because think about when you're on Molly, you start fucking grabbing your the girl's leg, you squeeze yeah, it. Yeah. Things that hurt feel good when you're on Molly. That's yeah. what they told. Me. I never tried it, but I think it's a fucking brilliant. You no, know got an ill uh, back uh, tattoo, Ben Bowler. Oh, down. Wait, wait. What's, I thought you said to get a back tattoo of Ben Bowler. No, no, no. <laughs> Oh, uh, you would? What's uh, yeah, sure. I, I interviewed him. I hung out with him one time. Why not? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I got him some bikes because he's all about these SE racing uh, bikes, and I plugged them with with SE. So supposedly he's getting a bunch of bikes from him. Yo, Ben is. Uh, I know Ben. Uh, ben. Ben is. Uh, one thing I like about Ben is I feel like um, he's done a lot back in the day, mm-hmm. and he's still doing a lot today. So you know, there's something to say that for somebody, longevity is something that people don't even mm-hmm. uh, value. But uh, he's definitely that type of dude, and he's I just I just, he's a good overall dude, yeah. crazy dude, but a good dude, father. I like that. that he can go viral every month for like making a new chain for somebody. Yeah. Like he just with it, the black glove, always, you know, always goes viral. Yeah, it's crazy. No matter right? what he does, I love that. Uh, you know, you I, like Young Dolph? I do love Young Dolph. Yeah. Have you sat down with him yet? No, and I would like to. Even though I'm a I'm a big Black Youngster fan too. Even though they like you know try to kill each other or whatever, mm-hmm. supposedly, allegedly, allegedly. <laughs> what about uh, Uzi? I love Uzi. You know, I actually got Uzi's email from a girl I was hanging out with like back when Uzi first first started popping off because I had seen him play a show in LA and got like almost no response. Like nobody gave a fuck at all. It was a couple of years ago, and like uh, you know, I just I, I just was listening to his music. I'm like, this is a fucking dude. Like this is it. Got his email from this girl. Totally thought I was going to be able to get the interview. Never got a response. I was right. He is absolutely fucking huge now. I wish I had the interview to prove that I knew. <laughs> you know, people who see the No Jumper podcast, they see the store, they see you doing your thing, hanging out with a bunch of different people, moving mm-hmm. around, moving and grooving. What are some of the things that you would say, you know, that made you... 
become more successful? Because with every success, there's failures. Mm. What are some of the stuff that was some trying times for you? Trying times, man. I remember <sighs> you lost the podcast. Yeah. Remember you told me, right? Well, you know what? What the bad shit was was probably like you know six years ago, seven years ago. I felt like oh, like I've there's so many things I want to do in my life. I want to. I want to have a bike shop. I want to fucking really get serious about my clothing line, blah, blah, blah. And that's when I started fucking really shipping packs back to the East Coast again and fucking selling Coke at the bar and doing all this shit for a while just to make more money, you know? And I got out of it, like, clean. I made a lot more money from it for a period of time. But then, like, I don't know. It's just, like, when I look back at it, I'm like, what the fuck were you doing? You were so impatient to, like, get to the next level that you just completely, like took a chance that could have ruined everything you know and that wasn't that long ago either and i just like look at like that when i look back at that i feel like almost like that was like a type of depression for me sure that i like felt the need to lash out when i'm reading gucci's autobiography he's talking about that too he's talking about he's still selling drugs when he's fucking multi-platinum rapper or whatever he still kept going back to it and like at the lowest points in his life somehow like doing some stupid street shit was like therapy for him it was very dangerous therapy yeah you know and just just yeah, it's a tough test to go back down that road, and you know, you could, you know, patience is patience is super important. You mm-hmm. know, I think people like again, they look at somebody who's doing something. You know, even me, you know, um, I try to preach patience. Something I'm still learning, mm-hmm. but the point I'm making is people look at like I remember, and I give you this example. I remember um, somebody from Dallas, a friend of mine, um, somebody uh, seen him online at some sneaker release, and was like, "Oh, you know, Premium Pete," and he's like, "Yeah, yeah." He's like, "Yo, is that kid rich?" He's like, Rich, nah. He's like, why do you say that? He's like, oh, I see. He puts lobster up on his Instagram and this and what. So people, the point I'm making on that is people automatically think everything is gravy. Mm. People don't understand. And you know what? Sometimes it's our fault. Yeah. I'm going to tell you why. Because we don't put our, we don't always put our failures on Instagram. Mm-hmm. We like Even girls, like, you know, I have a daughter, 17 years old. She'll fix her hair. Take it. No. Take it. Fix yep. her hair. No. Take it. No. So she'll wait until she gets the best picture. She's not going to put the picture of her looking, you know, you know what I mean? So we give our best to Instagram, not our worst. But meanwhile, our worst made us get to our best. Right. And I don't, you know, if something really sad happens to me, it's like I probably don't want to share that sure. on Instagram, you sure. know? And, and sure. you know, if I lose somebody or if something goes bad for me in my life, you know, I don't, I don't look at the internet as this place where I just want to spill all my fucking bad things or good things that go on in my life like the podcast i'll sit here and tell you every fucking bad thing that's ever happened to me i'm trying to be as open as possible if something bad happens to me if i'm going through something i'll just talk about it but yeah on instagram it's, it's very different you're curating like a very very refined and it's really like you get rewarded like the more high quality your photos are the better your clothes are the better the girls that you're standing around you get more likes you get more followers you start to feed into that you think you need to be that you know and it's I mean, a lot of life is fucking, a lot of the most important shit in life is sacrificing, which I think a lot of people don't get, is that I'm where I'm at because I sat in my fucking room until seven o'clock in the morning reading shit online and and sitting there thinking about what I was going to do with my life and thinking about what I was going to do and, you know, sacrificing all the easy good times, even with the podcast. It's like, you know, a lot of times, you know, I I was doing all my own editing. I was doing everything up until very recently. And it's like, when I think about it, I could have been out partying. I could have been just chilling with my friends. And instead I was, you know, doing these grueling yeah, but you put things. the work in. It's yeah, part of the reason why. But a lot of people don't want any fucking work, and they just want they want to make one song and they want to pop off. And it's like, bro, you need to make two hundred songs and then put one song out. Yeah. Like you need to fucking really, like just, you need to work. You need to grind. A lot of kids are completely removed from that. You know, it's always what's next. You know, um, you know, you're talking about the the podcast. You're talking about social media. You definitely have a great uh, audience. What's the craziest shit you've seen from your audience? 
Oh my god. Because comments, because people feed into those comments, bro. You know, people tell you some shit, man. You know, Adam, Adam's a jerk off. Adam's an mm. asshole. Adam's this, and then people show love. But sometimes yeah. you feed into that shit. I got kids. Come, I, you know, I never owned a pair of Jordans in my life, which I know might be offensive really? to you. Well, one pair of Supreme Jordans that I got like as a joke, like less than a year ago. But I got kids come up to me on the street giving me Jordans. I'm like, damn. Really? I'm like, what the fuck am I supposed to do with these? I tried wearing them. I feel like they're too big for my feet. I've been wearing Vans my whole life. It's kind of hard for me to accept that. Yeah, and I Is know it, that probably it, offends you as a sneaker guy. No, yeah, I know it does a little <laughs> bit. No, it, it does not not in this day and age anymore. You know why? Because Jordans are legendary. Mm-hmm. They'll always be legendary. Basketball mm-hmm. shoes, particularly, are very hard to sell these days. But Jordans are more uh, fashionable, mm-hmm. and uh, so they'll always be relevant. I feel like. But come on, we're in a day and age which, and I'm happy that we're here today, where Adidas is, right. is doing their thing, where Vans. Well, Vans has always been, you know, Vans. Mm-hmm. But you're seeing people like, people like there's there's more out there and there's more options. And you shouldn't just want to be one of those kids that just want to, not meaning you, but I'm saying yeah. in general, I think there's some people that stay brand heavy, man. Come on. Wear what you want. It's like, you know, yeah. with girls, like, you know, sometimes like I remember when I, when I was single, man, I used to get cravings to like be with different nationalities. Ooh. Like one week I wanted to be with an Asian girl. Next week I wanted to be with a Spanish girl. Next week I wanted to be with an Indian girl. I wanted that curry. You understand what I'm saying? Hey, what about you? Have you been with multiple different nationalities? Oh yeah, I think probably damn near all of them. Have you ever thought about that? Like, damn, I don't. I never been with an Indian girl. I gotta go be with an Indian girl. You know, nah. I, I wish that I could think of like a type that I hadn't maybe experienced, but I think I've been pretty well rounded in my fucking career. You know, I was telling her that she's racist because we never hooked up with a black girl together. Really. <laughs> There's wait, wait, one wait. half black girl. Why are you lying? Okay. Oh, well, yes, you're right. Okay. You're good. Now, now good. just mind. so we introduce to the audience, this is your girl, right? Lena the plug. Okay. You're the plug. Now, your name is Lena, right? Lena. 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 How is it Lena if it's L-E-N-A? You got to call my parents. She's a scammer. <laughs> okay, you are a scammer. So listen, Lena, where are you from, Lena? From Glendale, California. And what what, what is it What is it like being the girlfriend to Mr. Adam 22, oh. the fucking rock star? crazy weirdo motherfucker right. there's a lot of uh things i have to re- repeat to myself in silence when he says a bunch of crazy shit in front of me okay like, I, I, like uh for the, it's for the lols like if, always, he, yeah. if he says something wild and i'm like wow that was really like offensive. come over here and fuck me you know? no no no, 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 no. Like, more about the podcast yeah because his job is to be like an oversharer and sure, like, sure. tell these stories on the podcast and especially if it's like a story from way back when or whatever i've, I've heard them all almost all of them like multiple times but sometimes they'll say some, something wild and i'm like oh, it's he, this is his job, you know. Like I just <laughs> remind myself. You were, you were talking about um, being competitive. What, what was that story you were talking about? Oh, uh, his he is like such a he sees um, having sex as like gaining access to something that he thought he couldn't have. Like it's like a competition ooh, to it's gain. It's like a bonus level. Yeah, unlock yeah. A level. So yeah, like, like he 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 has kept track of every girl he's ever slept with. He knows his number, right? But he was like, I don't want to count hold on, hold on, it. Hold on, hold on. What's the number? That's <laughs> sealed. This okay. document's I know sealed. It, but. <laughs> Um, yeah, so we were on the, on his podcast with two other girls and he was like, you, don't you think it doesn't count mm-hmm. if you paid for it? And me and the girls look at each other like, no, cause you know, you had sex. Like the act happened and he was like, no, cause he didn't have to like, he cheated basically. He cheated. The, the yeah. game. He cheated the system. But, but the he way cheated. that they view sex partners is that those are opportunities that you had to get an STD. So in that way, a, exactly. a prostitute is probably even more relevant because yeah. it's probably more likely. How did you just meet each other? I DM'd him, but like it was for work, so everyone. Ever she says that was such shame. Like, I know, it's right? so bad that you wanted to holler at me. I mean, Would you, but 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 how did she get your attention? Because I'm sure you've been DM before. That ass, though. <laughs> oh. I know. 
<laughs> I figured that there was probably. Did you send him an ass picture? No. No, I, I really DM'd him for work. Like, I had to do outreach to podcasts and radio. So I, like, emailed him. And then I also DM'd him in case he didn't check his email. And then, you know. And then I was like, yo. And let's, go get, let's go get dinner sometime. Yeah, he was like, when are you going to buy me some drinks? Like, Did I really say that? Yeah. Oh, that's fire. Hell and then yeah. we went to we went to a podcast. That was our first date. Yeah, was, I got interviewed by fucking Gangsta Boo and Jackie Chain really? for my first ever time hanging out with her. Isn't that weird? That was fun. I thought it was fun. Yeah, no, I no. mean, God, what can make you look cooler than that? Now, obviously, I mean, I think uh, he's expressed that uh, earlier in this um, episode, but you like girls too? Yeah, I had a my only other serious relationship I've ever been in was with a girl for four years mm. when I was in college. So. What's the difference from being with a guy and being with a girl? Penis. Th- there's a penis. Well, there's on a the penis. Guy, but yeah. I think <laughs> I think I'm still like mostly straight because even with girls, I'm like m- more into them if they're like more masculine looking. I mean, we obviously hook up with what? like 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 a butch. Well, I'm not. I know. I never. I never hook up with those girls. But you I never hooked up with like an Ellen DeGeneres no, type. Together. No, no, no. But I recognize that, like, even in being attracted to certain women, that it just further solidifies the fact that I'm more straight. But why do such hot girls like super butch girls? Like, I give you an example. Like my sister, she's she's straight. She's married to, uh-huh. to a girl, um, and her girl. You know, I tell. Her, I don't know if you know who Captain Lou Albano is. But uh, I say she looks like Captain Lou Albano. But the great thing about it is I'll never forget one time when I just met her, I came over to the house. And uh, my sisters, they're Italian, so they're very like, you know, what do you need? You want some, you know, meatballs? You want some this? So I had asked her to get me something, and I guess she took it personally, like, you're asking my wife. You could get up and get it yourself. (laughs) So so my sister was like, relax, you know, relax yourself. (laughs) And then all of a sudden, about two seconds later, she says, Hey babe, let me get some fucking meatballs. And 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 I'm like, what the fuck is this girl? And she had like a hand on her pants, and she was like, my wife makes the best fucking meatballs. And so I'm she's like, posturing as the male in the relationship. Yeah, yeah. but I didn't understand it. And, I, and at that time, I mean, she's a great girl. I love her. But but you know, both of my sisters are, are, are lesbian. Both of my sisters are married. That's what's crazy. Man, like that's you very know, statistically yeah. unlikely. Yeah. yeah, and and you know, it's so funny too because it's like, you know, it, you know, growing up in an Italian. You know, I don't know how the fuck this came about me, but growing, <laughs> growing up in an Italian... I want to have dinner at your house, actually. Yeah. I think. About you no know, problem. I was thinking about the meatballs. I'm like, damn, well, I bet your mom hungry. knows what she's doing and shit. Yeah. Mom's, listen, yeah. she, mom's wears an apron in the bed. She knows what she's doing. <laughs> um, you know, you know, but I, I will say this, you know, people have asked me over time from being Italian, that, you know, especially when I grew up, I grew up in, ben, you know, I grew up in Coney Island, then I moved to Bensonhurst. You know, there's a lot of, you know, like it was very race driven at that time. Mm. And... They always ask me, like, you know, because my lady is Trinidadian, you know, so my, you know, like my first daughter is is half Spanish and half Italian. And then um, my son is half Trinidadian and and half Italian. So they always ask me, what did your father or what did your parents think about, like, you know, not, you know, being with an Italian girl? I'm like, bro, both of my sisters are gay. They're both married. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like they seen. But things- what did you think your parents would rather see their their child be with a, a African American person or a, or a you know what? Of the same you know what? Gender? One thing I will say for Italians, and this is not normal because a lot of them are judgmental. Yeah. Uh, my parents were great, man. They 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 were like, hey, listen, whoever you want to be with. You know, I was a knucklehead, so if they if they if I if I found somebody yeah. that held me down and and and, and yeah. you know I got along with and kept me sane. They were all with it, and, and and I'm glad they were. And, and I'll be honest with you, I think that we forced them to be that way. Yeah, because they have to adapt for you. They love you guys. You yeah, know? but yeah. but but I don't. I, even, I, I really feel like I hit the fucking lotto with parents in terms of open mindedness because my parents were the types who 
I could have never said anything racist, anti-gay, whatever. Like, I remember I made, like, a, I, I was listening to Howard Stern all the time. Mm-hmm. He's clowning himself for being Jewish all the time. Yep. And I tried to make, like, a little Jewish joke to my parents one time because my dad's boss was Jewish as fuck and wore the yarmulke at work and everything. And my parents, like, 15 minutes, called me upstairs, sat me down, and like, listen, you're listening to Howard Stern. We get it. You're not allowed to make that joke. You're not Jewish. It's not fucking funny. It's not okay to... Mm stigmatize people or put them in a, in a bucket even if you think it's a positive one like oh you think they got money whatever it's like my parents I, I'm so thankful because I remember every time that they ever fucking called me out on saying something that was over the line and like you know that's that's pretty uncommon for like parents in like the sure, early 90s sure, and sure, shit you sure. know to really understand how fucked up that was but I, I got good hardcore liberal democrat parents thank god to keep it real with you that's even dope but let me ask them so you said you had a relationship with a girl yeah. For for a couple of years. Yeah. Is 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 what they say true like you know where it's like it's nothing like a woman's touch they know how to like does does uh, th- did that girl eat pussy better than Adam eats pussy? Probably. No. Probably more. No. <laughs> I don't think so. I'm like more sexually attracted to him and just dudes in general so I think she went off to ca- college, she became a feminist, yeah. she starts dating a yeah. girl. It's like a weird college fling thing, I think. I was I was uh, discovering myself, you know. I, I didn't shave, I didn't wear makeup, I had a girlfriend. I was what, you didn't shave? What, are you going retro? I was just, I was, I was, I was pissed off. Okay, okay. <laughs> now, now let me ask something. You living and in just being partners together, and and I'm sure it's got to be a crazy uh, type of run sometimes. Um, how do you deal with like other girls trying to be around him, or even like even better? You know, I know you had threesomes before. I feel like. What I about just, guys? Well, no. I mean, oh, no guys. No. Okay, okay. I don't fuck with dudes. <laughs> no, I don't mean maybe you. you I don't mean maybe you. Get the fuck out, <laughs> get the fuck out of here. Sir. No, I don't mean. <laughs> no, no, I'm saying, I don't know. I mean, like, she's very open-minded when it comes to, like, you know, I'm she, the dick it, manager. From, but from day one, I had a ton of girls that I'm friends with that are, like, people in my life. I'm in the store all fucking day. She knows exactly what it is. It's like a fucking mall with 100 girls walking past every day, talking to me, my friends. It's like, she's she's got to be pretty confident in herself to... To be able to date somebody like me, knowing that I'm like just talking to random girls, I'm on tour. It's not like I'm fucking not talking to people, you know. And I'm not talking to them like that. I ain't really trying to like fuck random girls or whatever, you know. It's kind of. You know. I just knew from the beginning, like this is the kind of relationship where I could never be mad if there just happens to be girls around because you know it's like a rap show or something. Or I can't be mad if uh, he has a picture with some girl because she's she's a fan, you know. It's sure, like, sure. So if I wanted to be like mad and worried about all those little things then I would just drive myself crazy. But I feel like for us, it's cool because we just hang... If he wants to hang out with the girl and I want to hang out with the girl, we just do it together. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. You, know? so you, you have a sister? <laughs> yeah. Not because, not, you know, I'll, I'll be you honest. You got A-King going for a cousin, <laughs> too. I know. Jeez. Everyone's like, <laughs> be I'm careful, the black my... sheep of my family. They kicked me out. So they did? They're not going to... That's all right. They're, you're, you're, they'll come back. They'll come back. You're in. You're now part of the On Some Shit LLC. You're okay. Ooh, that um, is what it is, too. Good, good you, guess. <laughs> But let me ask you, most people fight in relationships. Because you have such an open relationship, do you fight? Oh, yeah. We fight sometimes. Not like... But I would say, like, we don't fight about the shit that you yeah. probably, that a lot of other people would argue about, you know? Because it's like, she's not going to scream at me. Like, even if she found out that, oh, like, like we had a weird-ass situation where basically, like, me and my friend fucking ran a train on some girl on tour, mm-hmm. and then... That friend is such a fucking idiot that he just started talking about it on the podcast, but it was so good that by the end of the podcast, I decided that I couldn't take it out of the podcast. 
and then I just called her and I was like, listen, like you talked about this shit. She fucking, she kind of already like suspected it or whatever. I knew the, the night it happened because you're stupid and you <laughs> because, tweeted something that she retweeted something that she re- had tweeted. But it's like after he, I like rewarded him for being honest with me when he told me, he's like, listen, this is what happened. I was like, I feel so much closer to you. Thanks for being honest with me. I don't know. Hmm. I, I feel like. But I was like, I thought that was really cool because I mean, I was straight up about it. Like, you know, I, I didn't want her to know. But then once it was kind of out there, I was like, you know what? Like. It was weird. It's like I like I got to sacrifice your feelings for the content. Sure, sure, sure. Because I could have sure. took it out. She but it's still also because I know that doesn't matter. You know, it's like you yeah. fuck a girl on tour. She's a fan. Okay, then what? No. See, but you're awesome. You are. But not a lot of girls that would say that. But let me ask you. You know, even Adam. You know, um, you're moving around. You're grooving around. I know what it is. You know, you could just you guys argue. You could just be like, listen, leave me the fuck alone and just go. But I'll be honest with you too. And I don't know if you experienced this yet. But even though you're moving and grooving, sometimes. When you don't have somebody real, you're actually lonely. Oh hell yeah! You know, when so I think you, about how I was feeling like before her and everything. Yeah, I was lonely for like a long time in the sense that even though you were around people. Yeah, and you know what you try to do when you're single is you try to like fuck all these random girls and you try to like piece together emotionally some sort of like level of comfort. You try to convince yourself that you know if you got seven different girls that you're fucking that somehow that's gonna make you feel like they actually really care about you. And maybe maybe they do to some extent, but you're fucking dragging them through the mud. You're fucking with their heads. You know, and it's like when, once I actually like really like allowed myself to be with her and feel comfortable with her, it's just really kind of, it, it actually in a in an awesome way just cleared my mind and allowed me to really focus on what I'm doing business wise mm, because mm. I don't like have that thing in my head that it's like, oh, if I'm not getting pussy or I'm not chasing after some girl, then I'm not doing what I need to be doing as a man. Now it's like, you know, me and her could go hook up with some girl or I could only hang out with her for a fucking month straight and I don't really give a fuck about like, you know, the whole like sex thing seems like more fun and recreational because i already got the fucking intimacy sure, part sure, of that sure. established and an open-minded girl now listen mm. we need to know the rules for a threesome mm. what are some of the fucking rules <laughs> we've been talking about this all day so let, i feel like let the internets know um do you want to go well at least from our perspective it definitely helps if the girl approaches her mm. as opposed yeah. to me <laughs> i want to be in charge of all pre- threesome communication and post threesome communication mm. do you have um, a meeting beforehand no, but I do like to hang out with the girl either one on one before or like all of us like go hang out, go to a show okay. or something beforehand. You know, because I know that dudes are are like, oh, whatever. I'll, I could just fuck a girl without really getting to know her. But I feel like girls really have to get to know. She's been a little like let down when she fucked a girl and then like realized that the girl was a super big weirdo afterwards. And, yeah, like, uh, was just like being real clingy and weird. Yeah. Like, oh man. So, like, but, but from our perspective, it's like we rarely would just like tell a girl like, oh. Let's have a threesome. We'll just be like, hey, I'll be like, or, or she'll be like, hey, you want to hang out Saturday night? We're going to go to this club. We're going to go to the show. You want to roll with us? We go. We end up having a good time. It either have if it, actually, I don't think it's ever not happened in that scenario, no. but it's like. Last four weekends. It happened. <laughs> <laughs> t- 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 take us through that. Take us through that. So what would be the last, take us through the. the, the there la- was the, the, the weekend, like, oh, there, so me and this girl were supposed to hang out and we both do like a private snapchat thing sort of like a cam girl thing me and her are supposed to hook up all of a sudden he texts me he's like hey like if you need another co-star like my dick is available so then he comes over you and know she- you were gonna tag me in anyway <sighs> yeah 
But anyways, <laughs> then, then the other girl calls over her other friend, and then we're all just drinking tequila in my room. And he's like, oh, I'm not going to play. I'm just going to film you guys. And he's just like filming us. And then all of a sudden, it becomes well, like. Well, she can't fucking control herself. All of a sudden, she's like, hey, I'm you like guys want to try his dick out? Because uh, obviously, yeah. I'm filming by a fucking, you know, 30-inch fucking boner. And like, you That's know. my favorite when I'm like, when I like, because me and him will probably start hooking up first. And then I'll just like look at the girls and be like holding his dick. and like, hey, so you guys want to try this? Like I'm handing them an ice cream cone or something. And they're like, look at me like, oh, is she serious? Like, and in that moment, I have achieved tranquility. And I've become all that I have ever wanted out of life. And I could, if a lightning bolt fucking cracked my skull open at that moment, I'd be like, eh, all right. <laughs> it's a good way to go. Hey, uh, listen, listen, I will say this. Having said all, all this and go through the highs of threesomes, the highs of, of success, the highs of podcasting, the highs of just being creative, being an entrepreneur, you know? And we spoke a little bit about it, but did you have you ever dealt with depression like recently? Recently, not really. It's been kind of a while. I mean, you know, I'll go through some shit. Like I, you know, I threw my back out real bad like a couple months ago, and I couldn't really walk around too comfortably for like a week or two. I mean, that made me feel fucking depressed because I wasn't able to get up off my ass and go fucking work and shit. You know, uh, I mean, real depression. I don't know because I know real depression. I really, I you know, I've been through that shit. Like, sure. Back, you know, I've had breakups that left me feeling very fucking, like, wounded, mortal. Like, I just didn't know how to, you know, sometimes you get so depressed you can't even fucking leave the house and shit like that. To be honest, I don't really feel like I've had that in a long time. I'm so focused. I wake up every day, like, just overflowing with energy and just wanting to do stuff, you know. So it's like, I I feel like if anything, my problem might be that I I could be depressed and I wouldn't really get it. Like, I wouldn't really, like, take the time to notice. And I might just, I've noticed that before where I, I was in a bad mood. I was sad. I was pissed off. And I started being a dickhead to my friends or my employees. And, like, luckily, like, I, I had one situation where they had a little intervention with me. And this is a couple of years ago. And it actually seems like distant fucking memory because I can't imagine being, like, rude to them in the way that I used to be. Where they, sat, like, sat me down at a certain point. And were like, yo, you're being a fucking bitch. You know, you're acting like a dickhead. And these are my employees and my business partner. But they were like, you know, you're being, like, really negative And it's kind of making it hard for us to, like, enjoy working here. And I just, you know, I really took that to the heart. I'm like, you know what? Like, really made me completely, like, rethink my management style and how I deal with people that I work with, you know? And and I, I thought that was really good because now when I think about, when I, I, I think about what all my employees would say if you were to ask them, like, what does Adam like to deal with? And I think that they would all say he's fucking great to deal with. He's very easy to, to work with. And just, you know, at a certain point I realized, like, oh, I'm never going to get a good result out of the people working for me if I'm fucking telling them they're dumb sometime, you know? Like, this is... Telling somebody they're an idiot is sure, very sure. rarely going to get your point across or very rarely get you what you want, you know? One thing I like uh, about your journey is that people keep it real around you. And, yeah. that, and, and, you know, I like that, like, from what I'm hearing. And, you know, people have really fucking told you what it is and, and gave you a chance to, to, to be who you are today. Because yeah. I feel like sometimes if you have phony people around you, man, it really it really hinders your success, man. You know? That's what people start doing is they start getting popping, they get money, they start kicking out all the real people out of their life and then just keeping the people around who are just gonna suck their dicks. And you know, I got you know, I got plenty of people that are just trying to be around me for fucking clout or whatever. Sure, sure. And I get it, but a lot of times a lot of the people I'm around, I've been around for ten years or five years or whatever, you know, so like I, I, I like my friends who I'm way more into hanging out with my friends who are quick to call me out of my bullshit than you know, one of my friends who, like, you know, is just, is just going to act like everything I say is fucking great. A lot of the people who have known me since I was nothing, like, we, we went and met with my friend Brendan, who I lived with for four years in Brooklyn the other day, and it's like, I mean, he's probably got the realest perspective on me of anyone that I, like, still consider my friend. I've been friends with him for fucking, like, 15 years, you know, and, like, really, really good friends, and 
I mean, I'm sure you could tell, like, when we're sitting there having a conversation, like, he is 0% afraid to call me out on my bullshit. But at the same time, very quick to compliment me on the shit I have done because he's seen the whole fucking journey. Like, when you meet people and make friends late in the journey, you know, it can be, can be weird. It could be weird. and, and But sometimes it, it is amazing, too. That's, mm. I feel like the internet has uh, afforded that. There's ups and downs to it. You know, we need to find out before we end this episode about the sex tape. Oh the legendary sex tape. It's, it wasn't the Ray J and Kim Kardashian tape. It wasn't the uh, who. What other tapes are there? I there? feel like we have so many leaked different tapes, but I think the tape is the one of us with the girl who has tattoos. Is what you're thinking of? Have you seen this? No. Well, okay, but he probably knows about the fact that so she made a video oh, saying, that's what he's about. Okay. "I'm gonna I, we will make a sex tape if both of us get to a million subscribers on YouTube, right?" And so. Honestly, like when she asked me about it, I was like, "Yeah, fucking make the video. I don't care." Because I didn't think it was going to be a big deal. Like her channel at the time had very, very few subscribers, I think. And uh, she said that, and all of a sudden, it's on fucking World Star, World Star then... Complex, fucking everything on Earth. Every, every, everyone wrote a story about it, and her subscribers blew up way past mine. Now she's at about nine hundred eighty thousand, and I'm at about eight hundred thirty thousand. Yeah. So we're both pretty close, and but but the thing is, is that we've. You know, because she makes a living on private Snapchat, basically. I don't know if you know how this Tell works. us about that. Yeah. So basically, uh, people pay a subscription to be my friend on Snapchat, and it's like a monthly recurring thing. Private how much account? is something she, like She's that. got a public account as well, but the private it's, account. It's yeah. twenty nine nine nine. You can buy it at lennisplugs.com. Um, and, a uh, month. A month, motherfucker. Yes. We eating good. And then uh, I add them as my friend, and then I, I post stories every day that they can watch, and they're always like nude stories, and sometimes me and him will have sex on there. Really? So then that's the stuff that leaks that people think is the, the official sex tape. Yo, but her shit will explode when we fucking do one of these threesomes, like we did yeah. one oh. with this little this little chick, this girl Taylor. She's got tattoos. She's like a little different, much different style than her. She's more light-skinned. Jesus Christ. Like, she got so many motherfucking follower, uh, subscriptions from that alone. And then the video of it, people end up uploading it on different places yeah. and everything. Everybody's talking about it. Like, I don't know. Like, we, we, We've been actually a little conservative with the putting threesomes on Snapchat thing, considering the fact that when we did do it, it exploded beyond yeah, belief. It, if a know? girl wants to hook up with us and, and she's okay with us filming it and uploading, she has to know that like a lot of people are going to end up seeing it because yeah. we were trending on Pornhub for like over a week. Shouts to Pornhub. Hey, yeah. listen, you know, um, what? what um, when you say... Twenty nine ninety nine. Like, what do they get? Like, they get uh, shots of uh, you like just naked, or they get to watch whatever I film for that day. So it's like a, it's like almost like a cam show, but it's not live. So like it'll be the whole thing, like the tease with the clothes on and then take it off, and you know. she'll re-upload like the sex tape type stuff once in a while. Too, oh, I do. You know? I do. So it's like you know, you just basically. Oh, sorry, sorry. Like you'll have you know, I I, I get why guys like it because. When I watch porn, even from what, like a really young age, I've always found the fact that it felt so fake kind of like a weird turnoff. And they could talk to me because they could chat with me, so they get that too. Yeah, she'll send them a little flick back. Really? Stuff, but, you know? but how do you feel about other dudes watching her? Yeah, I don't even think about it. No? Yeah. Doesn't bother you? No. Thanks. Appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> you fucking simp. <laughs> and uh, I fuck with them because, I mean, that could be me. If I wasn't fucking it for real, if I if I was had fucking acne and fucking I was four hundred pounds heavier, then maybe I'll fucking. Sometimes be doing there's that. fans that be like, "Yo, Adam the Goat," they'll just message me on there. They know. Hey, any of my fans that pay for it, I'm more than that's that's great. Thank you. Hey, listen, I we we gotta get a subscription, see what the fuck is going on. <laughs> but when you're in there, slide we'll the, we'll the, the link. Slide Pete one. 
<laughs> Slide Peter link. That's actually that's a brag my friend sent to me. He goes, "Man, I got all these private bitches, all these private Snapchat bitches for free." And he's like, "Show me his phone." It's like all these girls' names I recognize. He's like, "I got all these." I'm like, "Damn, I probably could be getting a bunch of those too if I fucking thought about it or cared." Yeah, you don't even watch mine. Now, I have it, it though. I have it now. Is there a wish list of like somebody you that you want to mess with, or as far as a girl, or? Ooh, yeah. I, I have know. a crush on this girl called the real Kim J. She's like a curve model from New York that actually follows me back on Twitter. So maybe one day, but I don't know. Is she is she mess with girls or you don't? I don't know? even know. Actually, probably not. Maybe not. She, I assume most girls don't really mess with girls. She got a crush. Nah, on, that's not a she got a crush on this like famous YouTuber named Tana Monjo. I do not have a crush on <laughs> Tana Mojo. By the way, who else would I? I've never really thought about this. Yeah, like what about like what about like Rihanna? Like how excited would you be for that? Oh, or would that fuck you up because you'd be like, oh, maybe he's going to want him away. Yeah, I really don't want her to have more followers than me, to be honest. (laughs) I got to have the upper hand. More followers. Damn, that sucks. Do you, so you like controlling the sexual uh, aspects? I mean, this is my relationship, so I can't really be bringing in Rihanna or Beyonce and then thinking it's going to go over well. I don't know. I like how me fucking Beyonce is now a realistic theme. (laughs) What the fuck is going on here? Queen B. Sorry, Jay. Don't listen to her. Sorry, Queen B. Let me ask you something. Have you ever had a deal with stalkers? Mm. No, not God, yet. Bro. Thank God. There are so many crazy predators out there, but no stalkers yet for me. I yeah. had an ex who had a stalker and it fucking ruined her life for a couple of years. I was having to hear her talk about it every day. It was insane. So I'm thankful as fuck that she hasn't you know, had to deal with that. You know, what's the craziest girl that you ever dealt with? Because oh I'm sure God. you have dealt with some crazy fucking girls. <laughs> I mean. I mean, well, how much like I could give you specific stories. I don't even know, man. The craziest girl. Crazy story. Jesus Christ. The so meth many. head, the fucking ex that ruined you. I could think of them. Yeah. <laughs> there's one, like, porn star girl that, like, just really was a real piece of shit. And she just stands out. To, she was a secret meth head the whole time. And I didn't really know about meth like that, so I didn't really know. So that was weird. But, mm. I mean, mm. it was cool. She, But she was also real weird because, like, uh, I don't know. It's just like, there's so many stories that are just flooding my brain. I can't even begin to think of what would be like the appropriate one for the scenario. I don't know. Just, well, they're all for this. That's okay. It's, they're I all mean, capable listen, of insane behavior here and there, you know. What, well, the one that broke you. Remember you said, <laughs> how, did, how did that even happen? Because. Who <laughs> broke me? I hate that I have to I know, I'm sorry, credit. I'm yeah, sorry, no, it's I'm true sorry. though. Like, there was like a whole thing I went through when I first moved to LA or to Long Beach specifically where. You know, I was a girl I was seeing for like three or four months, like real, real intense, like really spending all this time together and stuff. And then like she kind of like just dumped my ass. You probably, if you want to hear a more detailed version of this, you can listen to Combat Jack's podcast. But she fucked me over, just fully was like dating this other guy. Like the whole time she was dating me and then I figured it out at a certain point and I was really into her. So it just that shit just fucked me up like real bad and like. It kind of fucked up like my, my my ego. Like my whole ego kind of went away. All the all the shit that I believed about myself and how fucking important what I was doing with my life, it sort of like it it stripped a lot of that away. And I sort of like and, and then I started to like get my shit together and then it sort of forced me to kind of like restructure and rebuild my life from scratch and sort of figure out what I really wanted to do with myself, you know, just because I had one girl sort of fuck me over mentally. And you know, honestly, I I didn't have a girlfriend after her till this one because like it was just I don't know. It's, it's and she was. Hard. Hey, listen, you waited for the perfect one yeah, because somebody who understands, who's open, who. Hey, listen, this shit is not easy. You know, people like like like. It's inter- It's interesting to hear about people who have open relationships. Mm. It's interesting to be a guy and have a girl that you can say like, 
Sweetheart, go get that girl. Bring her home tonight. Like, that's fucking amazing. I would like to send her on more missions. That sounds cool. Yeah, you should. I've been very successful the last month. Listen, you better start bringing home more pussy. You understand? When I go to parties, bitches walk up to her and we'll just be just, you are so hot. They start touching me right away. We fucked a girl the other day together. It was just like the first thing she said to her is, I'm fucking obsessed with you. I'm like, like, wow, this should be easy. Hey, listen, LA, you got a fuck in the afternoon. You know what I mean? Just oh. no, no nutting when the sun is up. <laughs> Quoting Adam twenty two. That's all. The I don't nut. come. When I don't the come sun when the sun's up. up unless I was coming into the morning. Yeah, unless I just woke up. If I wake up, I got about fifteen minutes that I could fuck. But it's like, cause and she knows. She sees what happens. It's like as soon as I actually get out of bed, brush my teeth, take a shower. It is like my energy level, even without coffee or without anything in the morning, is so high that I'm like running around the house i'm fucking playing music i'm like dancing i'm rapping i'm screaming at the top of my lungs about what i'm gonna do for the rest of the day i'm on my computer i'm watching dj academics i'm fucking like my energy level in the morning is you like sometime, academics i do i love academics why because i feel like he he does a better job keeping me up to date on what's going on in the news and hip-hop than probably anywhere else besides twitter like in terms of like somebody making youtube content i look at what he does and i think he just does a really good job of it I feel like when a rapper is in a, has a court case, he'll actually take the time to find out the details, like what's actually going to happen to him. You know, oh, there's because you know a lot of times that's in the news. It'll be a big headline, fucking on Complex or whatever. Oh, so and so is going to get twenty years, and then fucking academics will come in and say like, hey, we actually did some research into this. It looks like he's probably going to get six months. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like he fucking. I feel like academics has respect for the culture. But do do you think that he is? Uh, I mean, I guess the word I'm looking for, like people maybe misunderstand him or or because you know some people try to like you know come at him or or, or, the thing about academics he's a pure fan you Mm -hmm. know he he doesn't have music industry experience until now so it's like he's coming from a perspective that to the fan like his his fans the 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 chat n-words is what they call him because i was just Mm -hmm. chatting with him i guess uh his fans like i think they really 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 relate to him because they really really see themselves in him you know because he's just a guy who likes rap like and and with me too a a lot of ways like in a, in a sense, like me getting deeper and deeper in the music industry, maybe makes me less relatable. With Ak, with Ak, it's like he's he's a dude that they see themselves in because he seems like a guy who spends a lot of time sitting on his computer watching rap videos because he just genuinely likes Chief Keef. He likes Migos, you know. And uh, I don't know. That's that's what I like about him. I like I like. That hey, he, listen, he he's got a great platform. Shouts to academics. Yeah. Uh, you know, one thing too. I remember when we seen each other. I was telling you about that. Uh, I got to shout out the kid Puck. Uh, I'm, the rope. Oh, I, I remember um, I was telling you that he was in a wheelchair mm-hmm. but uh, yo that kid raps I don't know if you ever heard yeah, him yeah. I didn't you hear him but I know he does rap yeah. listen I, I met him many years ago he's a, he's, he's a good kid I know I know he fucks with you so yeah. we gotta shout out Puck man shout uh, out Puck. good dude now let me ask him where can people find you at Lena the Plug on Instagram and uh, LenasPlugs.com LenasPlugs.com is where you can go see her and a couple of her hot little friends you can buy my Snapchat and watch, you see, you me, see, watch me suck out and stick. You can buy the homies, too. Like, she, a couple of little thick homegirls. Yeah, I like this. She's like, uh, you could you could buy it if you want to see me suck Adam's dick. I mean, well, we're probably going to do that tonight because she's like, hey, I she's like, I ain't posted in the past two days, so, you know, you yeah. done it. So I'm like, first anal? No. Uh-oh. <laughs> I'm saving that. Uh-oh. <laughs> That's for the premium membership, $15.99. Oh, tiered? You got to go yes. up. There's an anal tear? That's yeah. incredible. Or an anal tear. Yeah, I, I just know the internet's gonna break when that happens. So if there's an I'm anal tear. Saving. We're gonna have to delete the. Clip. Now, now before we go, so so that's what you mainly do is the private Snapchat, right? Yeah. But what do you want to turn that into? Also, because say if Snapchat goes under, you know, 
trying to diversify, trying to figure out like what other platforms I could use because I feel like the internet just starts slut shaming on every platform, so I have to jump from platform to platform. But she's, she, I think she's doing good right now because she's got the t-shirts and stuff. She's got the stickers. She's getting more girls to sort of work for her on the, sure, on the, sure. the side of things. Fucking she's, boss. Yeah, she's I'd just, like to move into a, like a more like sex positive advice. I have a background in psychology. I seem to be getting like more girls who are... Yeah. This bitch got a degree I'm, because I'm open with like she got a degree sexuality and discussing like you know I think we have really good communication yeah. and I think that's something that well I think what's cool is uh, that you know you're with somebody who's also creative so you know you guys can figure figure it the fuck out you know uh, I enable we, we, the fuck out of her yeah. to you know I like help her a lot with the t-shirts and the stick you know just and I don't I don't do everything for her either because I'm like listen like to a certain extent that's part of it is like you you want to make a t-shirt like. You might want to like do some of that that work yourself to figure out how to make a t-shirt or sure. whatever you know. So I don't do everything for her, but like you know, help her with all that stuff. And I just want to see her. You know, we talk about the idea of a book a bunch because I think she definitely has something worth putting out into the world in terms of like her knowledge. Like even just the threesome thing. Like everybody wants to fucking talk to us about oh, that I shit. We go viral every time we fucking mention it. I feel like there's like, there's definitely something to be said for you know where we could go with that creatively and everything. Well, listen, you're a great couple. Um, I love everything about it. I think, uh, you know, in, in this new age that we live in, you know, fucking being normal is fucking, you know, whatever, you know, if you're happy, enjoy it. But, uh, you know, last thing, what platform do you like the most? Well, man, it used to be YouTube and it might've had something to do with that fucking 50 grand a month, but, uh. Nowadays, yeah, it's still YouTube because that's still where I put my podcast. It's still where I mm-hmm. put the vlog. It's still where I like putting my content, even though I don't really make that much money off it anymore. But you know, and also the other thing on YouTube is uh, I do the live streaming thing. Like, like right before I left, I did a twelve-hour live stream, and what we do is we give kids the chance to like they can send in their song and we'll listen to their song or watch their video for like a pretty low price. You know, like thirty bucks, you get a couple thousand people to watch it. You get me watch it. I give my thoughts and everything, and. I mean, that that to me has been like kind of a crazy thing that I sort of like uncovered over the last couple of months is like just having a more direct relationship with my fans through this. And I know some people look at it and they're like, oh, you're taking money from them. But I mean, it's kind of the most logical way to manage it because it makes it worth it for my position. And then also like, you know, if you were to just look at the chat and all the links that they're spamming, you know, you'd never be able to pick out what stuff to listen to. But I mean, I've uncovered a ton of shit like that, like tons of new rappers who wow. are just... You know, like guys who are there's a rapper named Lanz that you should look up L A N Z E, and I say that with a uh, a degree of like you're just not going to believe be able to believe what is up with this guy. But I mean, I just I feel like that's that's one of the dopest things that I get from YouTube now is that I can make some money from getting donations from the fans to actually listen to their music. So now that makes me feel like I got this tight ass connection with my fans that I, I noticed with academics that he had the 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 crew like the people who really fuck with him in the chat and stuff and i realized that was because he was doing the live streaming thing and building that relationship with him so i kind of think that's the future in a lot of ways for somebody like me or him yeah that's dope hey listen um anybody people who've been following you for years people who fuck with you people who believe in you people who are inspired by you um people who just want to do some of what you're doing uh, what's some advice you have for them? Sacrifice. Don't go to the bar. Stay the fuck home. You got, you know, if you're working eight hours a day, it's like you need it. You probably need about six, seven, eight hours of sleep. You know, you need to take those eight hours that you got free and you got to do every single thing you possibly do to clear that shit out so that you can focus on your passion, your creativity, whatever the fuck it is you think that you need to do to be able to get into a better position. And I feel like all the sacrifices I made over the years in terms of not going out at night and sitting on my computer all day or reading all day or whatever, it's like that's what got me where I'm at, and I mean, that's important to me. I think people need to 
they need to really like take ownership of their time. And if they want to be successful, it's not about making one song and buying a fucking Supreme hoodie and trying to look fucking hot on Instagram. It's about actually like contributing something relevant to the culture and working mm-hmm. your ass off to get it, you know? Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. Internet's Adam 22. No jumper. You know where the fuck to find him. Skirt. Support what the fuck he's doing. You're... He's a good, crazy, weird motherfucker. <laughs> he's got Lena. She's out there fucking hunting pussy for him. You know what I mean? <laughs> Listen, and once in a while, if you want to get on that Lena's private Snapchat, she may show you that cat too. That okay? ass, though. Eh, Wesson. Internet's Lena, Adam22. Premium Pete. See you next episode. Podcast OGs. Cheer. Let's get it. Internet's, if you enjoyed that episode, I want you to reach out to me. Email me. Tweet me. Okay? Email the premium Pete show at gmail.com at Twitter at premium Pete at premium Pete show on Instagram at premium Pete at premium Pete show. Also, let me know what you like. Let me know what you didn't like. And also to all my small businesses or big business, no matter how small or big you are, you want to advertise with the premium Pete show, get at me, the premium Pete show at gmail.com and we'll figure something out. Okay. Now make sure you subscribe, rate and tell a friend to tell a friend and I'll see you next episode. Cheer.